Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowance and I'm joined by James Rushton. James, you must feel about a stone lighter. You've had all your hair chopped off. Yeah, um, if you've seen Napoleon Dynamite when Petro gets his hair cut off, that was like me. God, it's just too hot. I was just like, you know, screw it. Get it. <laughs> Get it good, gone. I was outside watching England, Scotland in my shorts with my bald head. Like, <laughs> not Matt Kendrick style, but it was all, all the wind was hitting it. And I was just like... I do wish I'd kept it for that reason, but it was just um, really, really hot, so it needed to go. <laughs> it's a great start to the podcast. Um, seeing as we've mentioned the Euros there briefly, let's talk about Jack Grealish first. Uh, this is the kind of YouTube comments section of the show that we do every so often, where all the debate is driven by the comments from the last few episodes. We'll get onto those after this Jack Grealish segment. Um, he finally started for England last night against the Czech, Re- Czech Republic, set up a goal after 10 minutes or so, and we're all there on social media going, told you, Gareth. Why don't you start him? This is what happens. Yeah, I think what what I like though is um the whole thing that Gareth Southgate hates Jack Grealish, and I get why people think that. It's just like he wouldn't pick him at all for the England squad, would he? Like, yeah. Do you like, I, I get it, I get it, but you know we all want to see Jack Grealish playing, but I don't think he hates him. I think that's a step too far. He's probably just got to balance the squad weirdly. The, the one for me is Jaden Sancho. I don't know why. Yeah, that's weird. Like, that's weird. <laughs> he's played seven minutes the whole tournament, which is just a bit ridiculous, but. You know, hopefully, and him being taken off annoyed a lot of people as well. I wanted to see him play the whole 90. Hopefully, that's a sign that he's starting the next one, though, which would be really, really positive. And mm. uh, hopefully put to bed any uh, any rumours of uh, him and uh, Southgate having a scrap. I do look quite like the idea that they've maybe fallen out somewhere, because in my head, I'm just trying to imagine what that could have been about. I, I don't know. I generally uh, wouldn't know. Like, um, Gareth Southgate seems a bit, not like standoffish. He just seems like a bit more of a parent figure. So like the, the players rather than like someone who just goes in and uh you know flips uh, like Fabio Capello like throws something at someone because they're having ketchup or something. He doesn't seem that kind of kind of like so I get it. Like I, I completely get the whole kind of England discourse. It's just a bit odd, you know, to consider this close knit camp and uh, then suddenly oh they he must hate him for whatever reason. I saw a great tweet from, I think it was like the official Euro 2020 account. Um, and they, t- they picked one of Grealish's touches of a skill of the day. And they were posting that. And that was getting some great retweets. They just pulled it down from the air. And all the, like a lot of the Villa fan comments were like, yeah. So I've <laughs> seen him do that a million times. <laughs> and it wasn't even the best touch, I don't think. The one that came up from Pickford where he's kind of brought it over his shoulder. Yeah. That was far better. This one was just plucked outside. I mean, it was a great touch. Don't get me wrong, but... The one that, that Pickford sent to him was the better touch of the two. And you watch that and think, yeah, it's just standard Jack Grealish, that is. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of it was lost in the touch as well. And um, the touch was great, but it's a great pass from Pickford. And I think everyone was like, yeah. looked over that. Like Pickford picks it out of Marloff and uh, drops it in like to perfection. Even Jack Grealish is giving him the, the thumbs up. <laughs> it was like, oh, brilliant from Grealish. And it is. The pass is also brilliant. And I think yeah. that, gets, that gets lost. I mean, we're Villa fans. We, we just think everything Grealish does is superb. But England fans were like, licking their lips last night, which is nice. That you know, that's just like 
the seven eight out of ten for Grish. Yeah, not, it's not, that. The, not the ten out of ten, is it? Like you ain't seen the best of him yet. Do you think he'll start on? I think it's next Tuesday we play now. The, uh, the first knockout round. Do you think he starts then? Yeah, I mean, I really hope he does. I, obviously, I want him to be starting for England, wherever position England can fit him in. Um, and that's why the substitution annoys people because he thinks, oh, he's just it's just going to be the same again in the knockout to whomever we play. I want that substitution to be a sign that he starts because he unlocks things for England. He makes England seem a better team, a more exciting team because of the way he plays. It's not just him as well. England's team, you know, but Bukayo Saka was fantastic. Yeah. You say Raheem Sterling got the goal um, across the pitch. And, you know, we're leaving Tyron Mings out of discussion when we're talking about fellow players. It seemed like everyone was setting him up to fail and you emerge and people are angry that Harry Maguire's coming, coming for different reasons. But, you know, Tyron Mings has really made a name for himself this tournament and hopefully he's taken a lot of flack off his back because he was getting it and getting it from Villa fans as well. So hopefully he's uh, answered a few critics. Yeah, just a bit more on Mings there. Were you surprised that he was dropped for, for Maguire straight away yesterday? Oh, no, because um, I think Maguire was always going to come come in. You know, yeah. He's been a linchpin of the England team since since Gareth Southgate started. He's coming back from injury. It almost always seemed to be on the cards that he'd come straight back in, You know, regardless. I think it's unfair, but that is... You know, that when you're playing an elite team that England want to be, that's what's going to happen. You're going to put in the best guy no matter what. But that's arguable, though. But there's one pass that Maguire picked out early on to. I think it was Harry Kane. I don't think that's Ming's kind of pass. And I think that's what England were looking for. But in terms of the organisation and the structure at the back, in terms of the crosses coming in, I think England probably would have looked actually more organised with Tyron Ming's at the back. But look, we'll see um, if England cop it in the next round because of Harry Maguire. We'll all be sitting here saying, why weren't Ming's playing? If Ming's is the guy who makes a mistake in the next round and, knocks, and we, we get knocked out because of it, that's the argument then, isn't it? We'll get on to our first comment then. This is from the Emmy Buendia episode just after he was announced. You spoke to David Hughes, our scouting expert. Comments from Paul Cox. He says, great signing. I'm really excited about Villa's prospects and the team getting stronger and better. Just have this horrible feeling that all will go pear-shaped if Jack Grealish leaves. The better the recruits, the better the chance of keeping him. Uh, we also get in Ward Prowse or someone else of his calibre. Talked a lot about Jack Grealish there. First of all, to get that uh, part of the comment out of the way, do you think there is this chance that he leaves this season? I feel like we've probably talked about this before, but it's going to be the ongoing topic until the window closes, isn't it? I mean, what do you feel like in your in in your heart? Oh, you're asking or, me what? the question, but yeah, I'm asking. I'm bouncing back <laughs> at you because I always say no. What do you think? I also think no. Yeah. Um, I think the only team that can put, probably put a realistic bid in for him that Villa would accept is Man City. Man City have supposedly bid for Harry Kane a day or two ago for a hundred million, and that's probably going to get rejected. So you'd feel like if Man City spend a hundred plus on Kane, they're not going to be able to spend the amount on Jack Grealish that Villa would accept. Now, people watching this that aren't Villa fans or people who see this are going to go, "Oh, Jack Grealish is probably worth his value as a footballer is probably worth what sixty-five, seventy-five million, something like that, eighty million. But as Villa fans, we'd all say, "Well, we just accept nothing less than a hundred because of what he adds to Villa as a team." I don't even know if I'd accept 100, to be honest, but that's an, probably another talking point. If Villa do want 100 million plus, are Man City going to spend 200 plus on Kane and Grealish in the same window? You'd think probably not, and they'd, they'd prioritise Kane because they need a striker. Whether any other club in world football can offer Villa 100 plus for Jack this window, I'm not sure. So I think by virtue of that there isn't an offer there that Villa would accept, he stays for that reason. Yeah, he's only got limited time to to be a footballer at the highest level. You know, careers are going to be over like that. We've seen it. Like, I mean, the footballers we watch kind of growing up as kids, it's like they're over, it's over in a flash. And I mean, it's mm. still like eight, nine, ten years, but 
in that generation, it's gone. And he has to make the most of it. And I hope Aston Villa can give him that platform because he does deserve to yes, be playing at the highest level. And that's not me saying, oh man, I hope Real Madrid come in for him tomorrow. It's not, I want Villa to get there with him, but he the, the clock is ticking. I do think there's no chance he leaves this summer. I f- like, like you said, I think common sense says if Man City want Harry Kane, they probably can't get Jack Grealish if they get Harry Kane because it will cost an enormous amount of money to bring Harry Kane into the club. Not mm. just in terms of the transfer fee, but the wages and all sorts, agent fees, all sorts to bring Harry Kane in. But common sense doesn't really apply in the transfer window. And if there's one club that could go, yeah, we want Harry Kane and Jack Grealish right now, it is Man City. Thankfully, Villa have this weird situation where they've got their best player, their star asset is Jack Grealish, and he loves the club. If it mm. was a different scenario, they would have next to no chance of keeping him because that club comes in with a bid. Villa have a problem, like they've always had in the past, of, of keeping that player. Because Jack Grealish is so entwined with the club, he, he loves Aston Villa, it's always going to be in his mind, is this the right time to leave? And I think everyone's aware that it probably isn't. But Villa are a club on the up. They could show more progress next year and next year, and he stays and sees it through. Or he could stay another two years and Villa are eventually a club that can buy those replacements and succeed. You know, Losing Jack Good isn't the blow that it is now. And that would be the scenario I think where he leaves rather than going, oh yeah, I'm off because uh, you know Man City have put in a bid. Like those well, clubs are always going to want him. He's not. I don't see him getting worse, Dan. Like, yeah, and suddenly having to settle for like Palace or something. You know what I mean? I just don't see any other club in the Premier League going for him. I don't think Man United will yeah. with with the links to Sancho. Arsenal is the one that keeps cropping up, but they can't afford him. Liverpool, I don't think they've got the money either, to be honest. I've seen something today like them needing to sell to buy if they wanted to go for anyone. They were linked with John McGinn as well, which is another slight talking point towards the end of this episode, I guess, and and wondering what his value is. If Jack's value as a footballer and that's all you're going off is 50 or 60 million, yeah, there could be a club that come in and go, you know what, that's a great deal, let's go for it. But Villa won't accept that price, I don't think. I think we'd be stupid to accept that because we value him at over 100. And until that bid comes in, I think he's here to stay. I think it all comes down to like his personality. It's so weird to see kind of, and he's an elite footballer, we can call him that. He, he's at the highest level of the game and the, all you have to do is look at the chances he makes and he compares to people like Lionel Messi, which is just, frankly, for Villa to have that play, it's it's, it's a bit weird like yeah. that this player's emerged at Villa, you know, of all clubs. Um, it's weird to have that his personality is kind of keeping him at Villa because... He's so intense when it comes to his work ethic and the training and the recovery and the rehab from injuries. Like he takes it so so seriously, but everything else he's really really casual. And to have that blend is working out perfectly for Villa because when he looks, when he probably hears about interest and stuff, he's probably a bit more not like whatever, but it's like I could just wait a year or another year. That's fine because I'm I'm happy where I am. Whereas, you know, if his personality was exactly the same as like his work ethic, he might have went years and years ago. That Spurs move might he might have been someone who forced that through, um, you know, to completion. Whereas, you know, the the Jack Grealish that we have, the wonderful player and a uh, man that he is, is has opted to stay at Villa because it's it, it turned out to be the right path for him. A lot of the time, the grass is always greening on the other side, and that definitely applied to that Spurs three million plus animus stuff, and the Spurs move that would have uh, come to fruition if we hadn't been uh, taken over. 
by NSWA. So yeah, no, the, the personality is uh, what I believe is keeping him here, which is fantastic. Uh, proper brummy lad, that. Oh, I'm sorry, I was just sneezing all the way through. That's excuse me. <laughs> my face is red. I feel stutter. It's hay fever season. That, that last comment talked about Villa improving the squad and the depth, and that, I think that's a comment we'll come on to towards the end as well. Specifically back to Buendia, so we can move this show along. Uh, the second comment we had from a guy called Jameson. It says, a little on the expensive side. It's good business by Norwich, and time will tell for Villa. It feels a bit like an expensive safe bet, which feels like a... Uh, irony to me because I don't know whether you can have a safe bet that's expensive but it does feel a little bit like if Brendier has one or two good seasons with Villa we probably won't lose any value on him so if we do have to sell him for whatever reason whether we go down God forbid whether he's improved enough that uh, a suitor comes in and goes we want Brendier now Villa will make a profit do you think it's expensive? No because I think Brendier could eventually be close to Jack Grealish good I mean in the, in Norwich's nineteen twenty season the attacking output was close to Jack Grealish, if not succeeded in, in a lot of places. And I know Villa were bad, Norwich were worse. So it's a really positive sign. And if you said, yeah, we can lessen the blow of losing Jack Grealish to injury, not transfer. So if he picks up another shin injury or his shin injury progresses to be worse, touch wood, it doesn't. You've got someone there who can take a lot of the slack off in a way that Ross Barkley wasn't able to. So I think he's worth every penny. If you were thinking Villa need to spend 30 million just to bring Ross Barkley in from that loan deal, why not spend it on someone who's got the potential to grow into mm. what you're missing? Which I think what that's what Buendia is. And I know we might be hyping him up a little bit too much, but he's an experienced Premier League player. He's done it in the championship. You know, he, he's followed the same path as Jack Grealish almost in terms of his in his English career. Mm-hmm. So let's see what we can get of him. I think 35 million is probably a little cheap for him, to be honest, for a player of his uh of his abilities, because he's went a little under the radar for what he's achieved at Norwich, and I know they went down. He performed really well in a poorer side and uh, outclassed Grealish in a lot of things. So, you know, Grealish went on to another level since then. Let's see if Brendier can match him. Win-win. There's a comment here from a, from Norwich fan, so the opposite side of the argument. He says, you paid the dollar, but you're truly privileged to have Emery. He is the best I've ever seen at Norwich. Two-footed, creative genius, exciting and graphs. Does the defensive stuff and great in the tackle. He's going to the top. Bargain. That's from Bob Nietzsche. Until we see him play for Villa and he becomes one of our own, I know he's our player at the moment, but we're still effectively neutrals in this sense. So we look at that and go, oh, 35 for Brendia, that is quite a bit. And the way we value Jack Grealish and be a little bit biased towards his ability and say he's worth 100 million plus easily, like it's an off-the-cuff comment. That's what we're seeing with Norwich fans now who are going 35 million. Yeah, that is quite cheap for him, to be honest, because he's so good. So I think when we see him play and hopefully he comes in and hits the ground running and, and fits in straight away, we will look at that and go, like we do with Ollie Watkins, he had a great year in the Championship, come up, raised a few eyebrows with the, with the price tag, and a season later everyone's going, if he moves on somewhere now, Villa might profit again. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Is um, it's kind of ensuring your future. Like Villa have got no guarantee. That, you know, the, the one player they're quite safe with is Jack Grealish, but other players, if they succeed, there's no guarantee they stay at the club. So to ensure you're in a place where you make profit, if you place your bet on the safest bet, the, the safe, expensive bet, as uh, Buendia was called, you're in a safer position. So yeah, I think look, there's every chance Villa succeed. They lose some of their players, but they grow and buy better players and they, they're in a stronger position going forward because of the sale and because of what that player's given to them. With Buendia, it's the same case. Look, he's not a Villa man through and through. We haven't seen him even play in a shirt, so we could be talking completely out of our backsides here. <laughs> but like there's every chance. He's in a position, he's been set up to succeed at Villa and if he does, Villa either progress or they get the funds in needed to progress further, which, mm. you know, we said a word, we have said the word win-win a lot. 
it seems like Villa's transfer business is win-win in every sense because they're protect that they're making themselves better in the present and looking towards the future a lot, which is it's good to see from based on what we've seen in the past. You know, Villa haven't done strongly here in the past and they've lost out a lot so it looks like they're setting themselves up to succeed or uh, win big we'll move on to the Jones Ward Prowse episode now you spoke to Tom Leach our colleague down in Hampshire Live I think in the first two or three minutes you said is this a deal that could happen and he basically said no probably not so, <laughs> no I saw you... a comment about that and uh, the guy was like thanks for asking that uh, a few minutes in I thought oh, yeah it was still interesting about his qualities and what he offers to Southampton, but I don't think that I don't see him leaving. I think it's very similar to the Grealish mould. So two of the comments that I'm about to flash up are of the same nature. Um, the first one was from Stuart Cowley, who said he'd be a great signing, but I'm not so sure it's going to come off. He's essentially Jack, uh, Southampton's Jack Grealish. J1 says pretty non-fussed about this one. I think Morgan Sanson could be a big player for us next season in that position. When I read that comment as I was going through these, I thought, oh yeah, Morgan Sanson. <laughs> God, I forgot he was still with us. We were going to sign him. I think it did like, a lot. But came out when he was he was bought in was that he would have he was on the radar this summer and he would have been one of the first signings this summer. So to get him in early bedding in, I know he's had the injury, but he's had the playing experience, so it should be a, you know he should have a nice start to next season. Hopefully, fingers crossed, because uh, a lot of people have written him off as well. Seems like they want to replace his position already and send him out on loan to like uh, to, to a championship club. I've seen some people sound Twitter, which I think is a, a bit harsh considering you know we've barely seen him and he, he already had a, a bit of a, a noise impact. I think when um, in in his first games, um, when he, after he after he signed in January uh, against Burnley, people wanted to see him come in immediately over Ross Barkley. So if that's what we thought of him, then I don't see why it would have changed. Now you know we should still be in a have a positive outlook for Morgan Sanson going uh, going forward. What would our midfield setup look like as it stands for you next season? I feel like Jack Grealish is great on the left for Villa, but I think what he wants is to be that number ten be the guy in the middle, dictating everything, being that guy who finishes the chances as well as making them. Um, I think if it was me, he'd be spearheading that midfield and behind him it would be Douglas Luiz and uh, John McGinn for now um, because that's the best that we've got. We'll see. I think a lot has been said about Brendier playing in the middle, but I feel like he'll be playing that right um, and, and Villa could buy a new left winger or use Bertrand Traore or uh, Amar Algarzi. They didn't do too badly last season, but I think in general, we want to be progressing. And if one of those players can continue stepping up, brilliant. If they can't, then Villa have got an option because they're loaded. So, not bad. Uh, it's hard for me to try and guess at this point. I can't see Jack Grealish moving away from the left wings and is that feels like his position now. Yeah. For Villa and Fringham when he when he plays. I'd like to see Brendier at the 10, but then he's played most of his football out on the right-hand side. So, you think, well, he plays on the right still. So, that means either Villa have got to sign a new number 10 which seems pointless when we've got basically two creative number 10s playing out on either side. So why wouldn't you just bring one of them in the, in the middle? So that makes me kind of feel like Grealish, Brendia, Traore is your three behind the striker. It's not bad, is it? But I mean, Traore succeeded for me last season. It's the player I picked out a lot in the uh, award show. I think I picked him out two or three times for three yeah. different awards. So I can't sit here putting him down. Um, <laughs> if he continues progressing, that's brilliant for Villa. I think, you know, it's just, I think right now, would you call him the starting option? that you'd hope probably not but that being said we said this about Anwar Algarzi last season and he was he succeeded for me um in that last season so there's a lot to be seen and there's a lot still to happen I mean we have to wait for the dust to settle to kind of answer this question I think yeah yeah that's absolutely fair uh we'll move on to the Ashley Young podcast now and this was a podcast that seemed to divide opinion either two ways you're either absolutely pro the move and said yeah what a great deal where you're absolutely against it including one person that I've not done a little graphic for that said like don't want him back when I see him come on the pitch I'm like totally against it I'll turn my back on the team if he ever starts for us and I was like, 
It's a bit extreme, but you know, everyone's got the right to their opinion. The first one I picked out was from Roy Jones. He says, we'll get 10 decent games, tops, and you're on about the wage not being too high. Bearing in mind he's not coming on a free transfer. He's not going to take any less than 100k a week, and to me that isn't worth it. Sorry, lads. First of all, you don't need to apologise for your opinion. 100k a week seems very steep for Ashley Young. I'd be surprised if he was even on 60 grand, let alone 100. And like I think you said when you kind of broke down the deal for one season, with no transfer fee and 50k-ish a week, you're looking at about 2 or 3 million for the season. And for what he brings and his experience, we were probably paying more for Ross Barker last year. So that yeah. still seems like a worthy deal to me. I mean, if it's a hundred grand a week and he's here for a year, and there's no other option, you know, in the contract, that's still really, really cheap. Like the problem you have with wages, I think people look at big wages and they go, "Oh God, we can't have that again." The problem with big wages is big long-term contracts. Yeah. That you know they they aren't set up in that way if it's 100 they're not like nfl contracts where you can kind of like backload it and and make it work for the salary cap you're paying 100 grand a week you're playing that for five years if it's a five year deal and there's no way out of it that's what gets you stuck it's not taking the option you know the one year and paying 100 grand a week for for one year because that's like five odd million you know it's not would you pay five million for a backup left back? Potential one who could potentially start a backup left winger as well. Yes, you absolutely would, especially if that's one who has been in the Antonio Conte side, so he's very fit. Mm. Someone who played a decent part in winning a title in Italy as well last season. I think he isn't on a hundred k though. This is what we've got to say. A lot of people have guessed. Um, I think a lot of the reports say it's close to fifty. So that's even better. You know what I mean? And it's only a year, so we're never going to know exactly what he's on. Information yeah. with contracts is always over the place, all over the place, as you know that. But he's not on a hundred. I don't think he's on a hundred k a year, not even close to it. More so half, which is a great deal for Villa. Well, yeah, like you said, if it's five million for a backup left back, if you were signing a backup left back for three or four million transfer fee, and they're on thirty grand a year, that'd still be more expensive than Ashley Young over the course of their contract. So it feels like it makes sense to me. And the comment that backs that up. Um, from Big Blooms, which is a great username. So I really didn't get the Ashley Young signing at first, despite all the good memories. However, looking at how influential Neil Taylor was with the Academy guys, Ashley Young is a serious upgrade. He has previous experience with Villa, Man United and Inter Milan, winning cups and titles and playing for England. What he can share with the young Lions off the pitch is massive. He also provides great cover for right back and left back and also both wings. Very positive move, both on and off the pitch. That seems to be a comment that aligns with our opinions more so than the comments in the YouTube section. It seems to be very, very 50-50 on the, the Ashley Young deal which either side is going to find out either way aren't they at the end of the season we're either going to look back next year and go Christ that was a waste of money he barely played or he was poor for us or we go well what a great deal that was can we have him for another year the concern for a lot of people was this isn't Villa's model and not Johan Langer's model it's not what they do why are they doing this and actually I think it is because in the past you had to overpay for experience if you had to buy Ashley Young at 35, you'd be paying a transfer fee and a lot of money to bring him in. Or even at 36, you know, six odd years ago, five odd years ago, whatever it is, you'd be paying a lot of money for experience. Experience was always incredibly valued, you know, almost overvalued, whereas youth and potential wasn't. Now you're paying a lot more money for players who don't have experience. You're paying a lot more for potential. So mm. to go the opposite direction and get experience cheaper does fit the model. It's just changed. You know, I think a lot of people look at it in the kind of football manager terms and you go, oh, yeah, I'm going to, instead of buying the the, uh, quote-unquote overpriced left back, I'm going to go and look for a cheaper one. That cheaper one doesn't always work out to be cheaper, though. And in fact, nowadays, if you were to buy a left back with the kind of potential you wanted or the kind of impact that you want Young to have, 
you know, would be more expensive than getting Ashley Young in, which to me, you know, it, it's a ridiculous way of looking at it, but that's the reality of the situation is you'll pay a lot more for a younger left-back. One of the people in Villa's recruitment team is uh, Robert Kenzie. He used to work at Leicester, and he spoke a lot about signing experience to fit a certain need, and that need isn't necessarily on the pitch. It's to build a transfer profile, and they did this with uh, Esteban Cambiasso, who they bought in for a season before they won the title, mm. because he could provide it on the pitch need instantly. He could also improve the, you know, improve the team as well. But he could provide them. He could show them what they were missing in terms of a player profile. Who's the people in the transfer market that can then provide this to us? Who should we be looking for in the lower leagues or in the French league? You know, the player that turned out after that was N'Golo Kante. So you know, you build a profile for left back. What do you need a Matt Target? Do you need an Ashley Young? Because you can then get Ashley Young on the pitch, see what he gives to Villa, and find players exactly in the transfer market. You map out like Ashley Young, so. That could be another reason why they do it, but you know, there's a there's a there's a multitude of reasons why they've done this. You know, not only to have Ashley Young back in the team performing, he can provide a really really useful tool in the transfer market going mm. forward. We'll move on to a couple of general squad questions to end. I think there's a transfer related one at the back end of this as well. And the first comment from Lee Johnson says, "We're a top quality defensive midfielder away from having a starting eleven that could challenge for the top six, but the squad needs more quality and depth to sustain that challenge over a season." And a follow-up to that from Alex Byrne, maybe two or three more signings and we can genuinely push for that top six, providing Jack Grealish stays fit. Jack Grealish staying fit is massive for Villa next season. He needs to play the whole season. We can't have him missing for a third of games again with a, a niggling shin injury um, for the second season in a row. If Villa want to get into the top six, Jack Grealish needs to play the whole season and play very well. And also the, the comments about a defensive midfielder, that feels like the position that Villa need to fix next for me a big big midfielder that comes in and makes a difference to break up play and get the ball moving on to those creative players in front of them. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, it's a simple mold, isn't it? You have your, yeah. your ball your ball winner and your creative players ahead of them linked with a uh, a box to box midfielder. And it seems like Villa have got almost got all those pieces but kind of jumbled about. You got McGinn, Nakamba, Louise, Sanson that can come in. But I think the big thing is is a ball winning um defensive midfielder because as as successful as Marvelous Nakamba's been in a few pe- appearances those appearances are kind of here and there. He, he didn't play a lot of football at all last season, which was a, you know, it's a shame, but there's there's reasons as to why he didn't do that. So Villa do need to improve on that position if they're not going to give him the chance that he needs to kind of show, hey, this is what I can do. Um, but, you know, where where Villa are looking to be, they're going to need to buy a, a new ball-winning midfielder, absolutely. Um, they've bought Buendia to be that success on the right wing. They need to be kind of looking for that model now to buy a, a, a defensive midfielder in, in the vein of that. So, Need to get the ball moving on that one because you know time's ticking. We need them to, to bed them in the side. Any names you can think of? The the link today was um I can't pronounce his name. It's Ariel Romeo from uh, oh, Southampton, yeah, Southampton, but just seems to be like you're not going to go to Southampton and get Ward Prowse and uh, Romeo in the same in the same window. And I don't think even Romeo is more likely than uh, James Ward Prowse. To be honest, uh, I think they're both difficult deals to uh, to perform, but. Again, we'll have to see. Um, there's a load, of, lo- a long, long way to go. And it's, you know, in terms of the general transfer market, so a lot of stuff's going to come down to deadline day. And I know Villa don't like doing their business like that. The hands are a bit tied. You know, players belong to other clubs. You might have to wait and see. So the final comment comes from a transfer rumour. Uh, it won't be a podcast without one. Any truth in the Julian Alvarez rumours? Ajax and Villa reportedly holding talks on a potential 15 million transfer. It's a right winger slash striker, 21 years old with lots of potential and probably the best username from today from Interstellar Dweller. Um, James, what do you know about him? 
not a great deal, mate. But I, what I do know is he's he's if he's playing on the right wing for Argentina, he's keeping Buendia out of the side, which is a great yeah. sign. Not played a great deal of football um, for River Plate, and a lot of uh, River Plate fans believe he has already moved to Aston Villa. Again, this was the case with uh, I don't know if you remember, but Abel Hernandez, yeah. who was uh, said to move to uh, Aston Villa. Did he ever arrive at Aston Villa? No, he didn't. And uh, I think the rumour originated in the Italian media, which is one to always watch out for. Um, there's always a lot of, can be a lot of truth, um, but the Italian transfer media has a reputation uh, for kind of getting carried away with things. Um, get Really, really uh, keep your eyes on the red flags of this one because until he's in a Villa shirt, I don't know. There's a lot of talk in these River Plate fan accounts. Say he's moved. Have you seen anything like? <laughs> have you seen anyone else report on it? You know, no, you haven't. Have you seen any kind of substance of it? No, we haven't. So, for me, take this one with a big, big, big grain of salt. I'm looking forward to him being announced this moment we post this podcast. I, and that would be brilliant. Be no, that um, would be that would be brilliant, mate. But um, in all honesty, like it, it's one of those, isn't it? It's just come out. Then all of a sudden, he's moved, and it's like, who's saying he's moved? Oh, it's fan accounts. Another one that, that did the rounds last summer and last January and the summer before that and probably the January before that who's now moved to Norwich City is Milo Rashica. Oh, what, what, what a throwback from the past to get him back on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Quote about the relegation. I think it come from a uh, Verda Bremen site called Dykesube and it was never, or Dykesube, I don't know how to pronounce it, you know, but it was never kind of sourced, so it kind of just come out and that was it. It was just out there, but there was never any like sourcing on it or who it actually came from. Um, so I'm I'm kind of in doubt about that because why would you not want a relegation battle, be involved in a relegation battle, then go and join another relegation battle? Like mm. it does genuinely make no sense. He was relegated last season, could potentially be relegated again next season. But I think it's a great signing for Norwich for the price. You know, considering what Villa would have had to pay to bring him in genuinely last season when they were interested, it would have been double that. You know, yeah, triple probably. Yeah, close. You know, he could have been pushing triple for Norwich to get him for less than uh, nine million or thereabouts. Nine million. It's fantastic business because he comes in to replace a player who loves just off of thirty million. Which yeah. you know, that's what football transfer business is all about. If he can succeed, then it's really good for Norwich and it helps him massively. There's a lot of eyes on this deal. I think a lot of Villa fans who watched him on YouTube go brilliant signing for Norwich. Uh, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, it's always funny to be involved in that, uh, that transfer banter. But look, good luck to him as long as he doesn't disrupt Villa the next season. That's fine. Yeah. I just remember that that podcast you did with David about Brendan, and he was saying, "Look, when players like Norwich sign players, I always look out at them and go, oh, if Norwich have signed them, they might they've spotted something there that's worthwhile.' So I'm just half expecting Rashica to end up at Villa or Arsenal in a couple of years' time for fifty million because that seems <laughs> what happens when Norwich sign a player. Yeah, I mean, if it works out for him, uh, Norwich will hopefully be staying up next season, which will actually yeah. be nice to see because you know they have killed it in the transfer market in the past, and they've not had an award for it by the two kind of championship titles because they have a great season come up, and it's like really depressing but they accept it <laughs> go down and win the title again and it's yeah. another depressing season but you know i i've got i'm rooting for norwich in all honesty mate uh, as long as as long as they don't disrupt villa i'm fine with it weirdly I, I i understand what you mean but just some of the comments from norwich fans when they sold brendia to us have put me off them a little bit saying like oh why are we selling him to like a direct rival and it's like either norwich <laughs> think they're going to be competing for europe or the top 10 which i don't think they will be anywhere near that well, they still expect Villa to be in a relegation scrap next year when they've clearly got the ability to be nowhere near that. So if Norwich fans are seriously looking at us thinking, oh, I can't believe we sold Brendier because Villa will be in the bottom three or thereabouts next season, 
that's put me off Norwich as a club, to be honest. <laughs> uh, the final one I wanted to talk about that we briefly mentioned earlier was Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp and John McGinn. Um, I think it, the report came from The Athletic that Liverpool were impressed by him or something like that and, and something about the, the other players in the squad looking at, at, at John McGinn going, yeah, he's a good player. I don't see McGinn going to Liverpool, to be honest, but if he did, what kind of value has he got to Villa in terms of a transfer fee? And Do you see him leaving Villa this summer? And if so, yes. Is it going to be Liverpool? For as great as John McGinn is and can be, it was a position where he was kind of lacking last season. I know he there was a lot of... He wasn't set up because he was like a deep-line playmaker. Then he had the box-to-box and then he was a 10 again. It's all over the place for him last season. So that's probably why it impacted a lot of his performances. And I think his passing style is kind of at odds with um, what Aston Villa want to do. You know, he was like switch the play to like no but nobody's there and he'll punt a pass across the pitch and his pass percentage was really low in some instances. But he does have that real streak of creativity that when Villa are like kind of locked in a situation, he's a player if Jack Grealish is around, he's a player who unlocks a unlocks a side for uh, Aston Villa, probably to a lesser extent than Jack Grealish. But if you're looking for yeah. creativity without Grealish, it comes from John McGinn. Hopefully next season it'll be coming from McGinn and Wendy if Grealish and around. But uh, I think if he was to go, it'd be closer to 40 million and also the 20 million that was mentioned um, yeah. in a few reports. I think a lot of Liverpool fans were unhappy with that. Whatever. Um, yeah. but, you know, who cares? If, if you want John McGinn, you have to pay what Villa think he's worth. If that's 20 million, if Villa think he's worth 20 million, you have to pay 20 million. If Villa think he's worth 40, you have to pay 40 because they want to keep him around next season. If you talk about that kind of quote-unquote heavy metal football, John McGinn is the most yeah. heavy metal footballer that's ever yeah. existed. Just doesn't stop sprinting and barging into people and just doing mad like combos on the pitch who is passing. But for me, I want him to find a fit for Villa because he's a fantastic player to watch. If he doesn't fit into Villa, if it's better in Liverpool, Liverpool best coming with the money because we're not going to be yeah. giving them bargains. I also saw that you got mentioned in a in an athletic article by Yaya Torre about how he uses his bum well. Did you see this yesterday? It felt like yeah, a we, all knew this. we all knew I mean, this. We all knew this. We knew about it, but it was an article by Yaya Torre about the importance of using your bum in football. And I just scrolled past it. And it was like, is it the first of April? Like, why is <laughs> why is this content? Why is Yaya Torre writing about bums in football? But John McGinn got a shout in that, which yeah, it's bizarre. No, it's nice to say that is uh like his best ability is getting picked out because you know when he when when he lowers. Nobody's taking the ball off him, mate, and he spins people quite a lot. There's, the Premier League still hasn't yeah. adapted to that move, which it is does, bizarre. We'll call it a day there. We've kind of fell down the rabbit hole talking about nonsense, as always. But, James, it's been a pleasure to chat all things Aston Villa with you. Uh, thanks to the comment section of our YouTube show to, to to kind of set the agenda, I guess, with your comments. Um, we always ask you to leave comments at the end of these episodes, so please do, again, get involved. If you've got any questions, we might come back to this video in the future and pick some comments out, so do get involved in the debate. James, as always, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And uh, thank you for all your comments as well. Appreciate yeah. it. Um, we'll see you again in a few days with something else. We don't know what we're doing at the moment because everything's all a bit up in the air. But as and when things happen at Aston Villa, we'll be here to talk about them. Thank you very much for watching and up the villa. Up the villa. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the villa. Up the villa.